0: Until God opens your eyes so that you can see things the way that He sees, to see the reflection of the light, you'll never see the world the way you were meant to see the world. You'll just see a distorted, tainted image. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning. And the end, before Abraham was, he says, I am. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the door. He says, I am the good shepherd. Good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me, God says, shall never die. And today, he says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Look with me in verse 13 and following. The Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. So they said to Him, Who are you? It's a good question. Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but He who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from Him. Perhaps his most famous treatise, the great philosopher Plato, wrote about the allegory of the cave. He talked about a man who was born in a cave and ultimately died in a cave, and he spent all of his life not seeing what was outside. What he would see would be shadows of things to come. And so an animal would pass by outside, he would simply see the shadow reflected against the wall. A person would stop by and he would see that as an enemy rather than the real thing. Events and circumstances constantly occurred, but the man interpreted the shadows as being the reality. The scripture tells us that there's a way that seems right unto man. There's a way that feels right. There's a way that that looks right. But the end thereof is the way of death. He tells us that we live in a world that is broken, in a world that is fallen. And as you begin to look around you and as you begin to see through filters and prisms, you are only seeing a glimpse of what once was. You are seeing just a portion of the reality And apart from God's miraculous light shining in the darkness, you cannot see what he would have for you. But if he would ever open your eyes so that you could see the real thing, you'll never be the same. And so here Jesus is going into the temple on the day when they would celebrate the festival of tabernacles. And if you can imagine living in a world filled with darkness, not simply spiritual darkness, but physical darkness, real darkness where there isn't electricity, where they don't have torches everywhere, where fire is very much a valuable commodity, a world where when the lights go out, it's dark outside. But during the temple season of the Festival of Tabernacles, people would come from all over the world and as soon as it got dark outside, they would light up these candelabras all over. Historians write that it was one of the most spectacular displays that you could have ever seen in the ancient world. Shadows reflecting off the walls of that great temple. And it is said that in the middle of the treasury court, where most of the people would have been assembled, Jesus, at some portion of the day, perhaps right after they lit up those candles, stood up in front of the people and declared, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees had waited their entire life to hear those words. But when they heard it, they could only see a shadow of the real thing. Have you ever thought about what it is to see God? The Scripture says that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. Even the very first words of Scripture, first words God has out of His mouth, are, Let there be light. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were created by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light and the darkness tried to cover it up, but it could not man sent from John who was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that all through him might believe. The people who dwell in darkness have seen a great light. There is this chasm. There is this separation between light and darkness throughout Scripture. You either go towards the light or you run towards the darkness. There's not a whole lot of middle ground. And for the Pharisees to see who Jesus really is, they have to understand what it is to know the very source of that light, that God Himself shines like a sun. Paul describes Him in 1 Timothy. Six thirteen that God is this blessed, the only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. It's the teleological argument which just says, look around you. Look at the sun and the moon, which is a reflection of the sun and the stars that have been hung in place by a creator. It is an evidence that there is a God. Just in the last few years, they have discovered the hottest star on record, billions of light years away, no doubt, it is known as R136A1. For Star Wars fans, they should have named it R2-D2, but R136A1 is known as being 10 million times brighter than the sun. Now you think about a sunburn, you go outside and it's too bright and you don't wear lotion, some of you, especially if you're fair skinned like me, what happens, you burn up. Not twice as hot, Not 10 times as hot, 10 million times as hot. And God has a name for that star. It's probably not R136A1, but he knows exactly where he put it and he knows exactly where he placed it. That if you were to get close to our sun. If the searing heat did not burn you up and you somehow managed to survive that, you would not be able to survive the decibel level of the sound. It would be so great that it would absolutely crush you. And the Bible says that God himself put that sun in place. And so when people think that I'll stand before God casually and I'll just walk in wherever I am, the scripture says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And the very next verse says God is a consuming fire. God is all about light. And yet even with all that light, people still miss him. They miss him every day. Believe it or not, they miss him in church. It's unbelievable. See, here's the thing. All the arguments in the world, all the evidences of the faith will not be enough to convince someone who doesn't know God. Here's why. You can't see God with your eyes until you've first seen him with your heart. Until God opens your eyes so that you can see things the way that he sees, to see the reflection of the light, you'll never see the world the way you were meant to see the world. You'll just see a distorted, tainted image and Jesus will say to these Pharisees it, it isn't simply that they haven't heard the arguments it isn't simply that something's gone on in their life he, he describes it to them that seeing they would not see that hearing they would not understand it's why the parables are so difficult to understand for the crowds to interpret they were looking but they weren't seeing it is this contrast between light and darkness because God is light one day all darkness in the world will be exposed the scripture describes hell as being cast out into the outer darkness it's the absence of of light. It's the lack of the presence of God. It says that it isn't just because they didn't hear it right. It isn't just because family members were off or the church was full of hypocrites or anything else. It says ultimately the reason that they didn't believe was because they loved the darkness and the hate of the light because their deeds were evil. You can't see God with your eyes until you've first seen him with your heart. You have to see people through God's eyes with the light of Christ. It's so distorted. It's so tainted. See, beauty in our world has become about prettiness and ugliness. So beauty now is airbrushed, photoshopped magazines. It's discount sales dress like this, talk like this, wear this, and you'll be considered beautiful in the world's eyes. It's led to anorexia, it's led to suicide, it's led to all sorts of unhealthy body images across the spectrum, but that's not how God sees people. He says beauty isn't nearly as much a condition on the outside as it is on the inside. He says I'm not nearly as concerned about what you wear as about what it looks like in here, because that's what I'm going to judge one day and where the world will judge people by physical deformities and mental handicaps, God looks at the condition of the heart. This past week, we celebrated World Down Syndrome Day. Maybe some of you participated in that. We celebrate those who have special needs. There's a culture out there that says people with special needs are, are wrong. It should be eliminated and all of these other things and chromosomes should be checked. But the kingdom of God says something totally different to that. You think that one day when everything is made right, those folks who have special needs will be more like us. The truth is we'll be made way more like them because they live with uninhibited emotions with happiness, with joy that is raw and is real, and you and I are all trying to cover up the darkness that is in us by putting on a facade, by not living in light. You ever notice that Jesus never heals someone who's physically blind before first healing their spiritual blindness? He says that to, Bartimaeus, before he heals him, what does he say? Sins are forgiven you because it isn't a matter of whether or not you can physically see, but whether or not you have spiritual sight. I wish you knew Leon Grimes. Leon Grimes was the last church I pastored LaRue County, Kentucky. As far as I know, Leon Grimes has never seen a sunset or sunrise. He's in his 70s now, but he's seen more than most of us will ever see. Leon's the guy that you call in the middle of the night when you don't have a flashlight and you're on the side of the road and you can't fix your vehicle. Call Leon, go out there. He doesn't need a light. He can fix it just by feeling around. Leon's the guy that you call when you've got a 30-something Ford sitting in your garage and you don't know exactly what mile or what year it is and you've spent two years trying to look for it. Have Leon come over. He feels it, tells you what it is, and it's validated. He's exactly right. He can just feel it. Doesn't have to even be able to, to feel you. can tell you by the sound of your voice what your name is, call you out in the crowd. And I tell you what, if you can't preach after hearing a blind man sing, I saw the light, you can't preach. (laughs) The Bible isn't nearly as concerned with physical blindness as it is spiritual blindness. And Jesus says, the blind will receive their sight, the lame will walk, the dead will be raised. And so he tells us, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you can walk in light. And so to Believe in Jesus isn't simply to say a prayer. It isn't simply to walk down an aisle. It isn't even to go into baptismal waters. To believe in Jesus is to follow him. It is to repent of your faith. It isn't even to to go to confession and hope that you've got it all straightened out. To believe in Jesus is to live a life of repentance and faith, of doing what he says and repenting of what he doesn't. He tells us to follow Jesus and walk in light. And when you follow Jesus, get this, when you follow Jesus, you will have light. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So you're trying to live this life. You're trying to do everything you can do. And finally, you throw up your hands and you say, well, now all we can do is pray. Maybe you should have started there. Because to walk in light means that you have the light. You follow Jesus, you've got what he's got. He hasn't left you by himself. They begin to accuse him. They don't like what he's saying. This isn't the way that he heard it before. He didn't bring it up the right way at the business meeting. We've never done it like that. And so they say, bring your witnesses. He says, I've got one. First of all, it's me. I was there at the beginning, by the way, before Abraham was, I am. He says, I've got John the Baptist who testified of me, but I also have the Father. and The Father and I are, are one, and you don't know me because you don't know the Father. The testimony that Jesus gives isn't his own message. He's declaring the word of the Lord. He says, I come to do my Father's business and everything in the Old Testament that says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of shadows, upon them a light has dawn." Jesus stands up and says, that's talking about me. And he isn't a light, one among many. He is the light, the only one. And so either come to Jesus and walk towards the light or go away from Jesus and walk in the darkness. But either way, you can't ignore him. You can't live life halfway. You've got to do something with Jesus Christ. Invite him in or kick him out, but don't leave him in the middle. It's bad for you. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and walk in light. He says in John 12, 36, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. It's incredible how the world seeks to cover up the darkness. It seeks to not expose stuff in our lives. You go to Vegas, not that I've been, but if you go to Vegas, you see the fluorescent lights. I've been during the daytime on the, on the, uh, airport, you know, that's where I've been. Of course, you can go out, you know, the slot machines are right there in the airport, but that's neither here nor there. You go to Vegas, and you see the fluorescent lights. You can see that city lit up like nothing else. Playground of America. A couple miles outside of Vegas, in the tunnels that have been abandoned, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of people who are homeless. The tunnels are so deep you better have some good light because it gets awful dark in there. Trying to say, we've got light, we've got it together, and yet living in darkness. People will do a lot of things, try to cover up, and yet Jesus says, the light will one day shine. They say, well, our father's Abraham, and Jesus says, well, that's great, I'm from his line, but I don't care who your father was. He says, I can raise up from stones children to Abraham. I don't care if this was your dad's church or your granddad's church or anybody else's church. It better be your faith. Because on the day of judgment, that's what you'll answer for. Jesus will say, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. But I love what he does later on here is that he flips the script. Because in Matthew 5, he no longer says, I am the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. And he says, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. It's what David says when they said, David, you're the light of Israel. He said, the Lord is my light. I'm just a reflection of it that the whole Christian life is not one hour on Sunday morning, is what do you do with the other 167 hours of the week? How do you glorify God in your everyday life to reflect the light in a world that is terribly dark? You don't have to read a newspaper or get online or listen to the radio to know that the world is a dark, dark place, and its only hope is in the light of Christ. And you and I have that light. Here's the irony here. Jesus will say at the end of this passage, when you have lifted up, up the Son of Man. That'll draw people unto him. Isn't it ironic that the cross is the symbol for the church? You say, well, that's what we've always had. Of course, the cross is the symbol of the church. Really? How many of you have an an electric chair hanging around your neck? It's kind of an odd thought, isn't it? Well, you say, well, that's kind of morbid. Okay. (laughs) Do you know what they use crosses for? But the reason we do that is because we recognize there's a glory in the cross. That when Jesus died on there and he bled out for you and me, he paid it all. And now that cross is a spiritual lighthouse to those who believe. When you point them to the light, when you point them to the cross, not about Abraham, not about the witnesses, simply about what God has done in us. And brothers and sisters, when you walk in light, when you have God's with you, you don't have to answer the questions that everybody else constantly asks. You don't have to answer, can I make it, or is it possible? All you've got to ask is, is God in it? And if God's in it, you'll make it, and it will be possible. Because if you have the light, you have Jesus. If you don't have the light, you don't have him. He makes it very simple for us. If you were to go into Sistine Chapel 100 years ago, Michelangelo's great, Painting on the ceiling. You would have seen it covered up when they tried to do these excavations on it. You know, excavations on cathedrals work of art, they don't they don't take months, they, they take years. Kind of like the great paint job on the on the Hallsville Candleton Bridge. It doesn't take months, it takes years, you know, for that great piece of work for 18 months or whatever it took to cross back and forth. In the Sistine Chapel they looked at it about a hundred years ago and decided that it had been covered with soot and with filth. And so they spent years getting the soot and the filth off of this thing. It took forever. And when they finally got it off, they said those, those romantic, Roman-esque colors, it was as if they would seen the prism for the first time. Everything just reflected. It was like they were looking straight through a kaleidoscope. And I would tell you that when you finally stop seeing the world through your eyes and you start seeing it through the eyes of God, which you were originally meant to see in the first place, you will see the world in a completely different way way. You won't see a reflection of a sunlight or sunrise, sunset just as something that randomly happens, but as the glory of the living God. You won't see everyday life as just randomness or circumstances, but you will see God working in all these ways. And Jesus will say to Thomas, that doubting apostle who said, unless I see him, I won't believe. He will say, Thomas, you have seen because you have believed. he say, you have believed because you have seen and believed. But then he says, blessed are those who have not seen, but still believed. Because in the kingdom of God, it isn't believing, it isn't seeing as believing, but rather believing, seeing. And you can't see him with your eyes until you've first seen him with your heart. I pray that you would see not just the shadows, but the full portrait of that which is to come. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.